are alive to shine. I'm Beth. And I'm Kate. And this is the Shine Podcast, where we meet lots of different people and hear about the ways that they light up the world. And here's why we're doing this. We've been changed and affected by people who shine with the love of Jesus. And the world needs people like that, and like you, right now. So be encouraged. And let your light shine. shine. I started to be a worship pastor and youth pastor. All of so them. So that was my position in the beginning. Oh, both? Yeah, both. Yeah, it, it was... Uh, Did you strum your guitar and then say, just a minute, and go change? Yeah. <laughs> and put your yeah, pastor yeah. uniform But on. it's uh, that time we started church. It's not a big deal because we didn't have too much people. But and then I moved to another city. It was about 500 people. It's a big church. And I was a worship pastor for five years oh. with them. Yeah, you got to talk about his guitar playing skills. 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 How do you pronounce your last name? In my community back in Guatemala, uh, in the culture, we pronounce Lush. But in the country, they call me Lux. Here, Lux. people call me Lux. Lux. <laughs> <laughs> Lush, Lux, Lux. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that, that's okay. Okay. I think oh, that's I'm interesting. Good. We haven't had anyone slap chair yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm slap a lot of things when I'm nervous. It's You're like slappy. nervous movement. I, I didn't realize. It's just when somebody tell me, hey, I'm that, or I realize that I'm <laughs> slapping everything. Yeah. I won't do that's that. Okay. I'm trying to enjoy the time. How do you say shine in Spanish? Or quiche. Ah, oh, quiche is difficult. Quiupiotic. Oh, gosh. Jeez, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Difficult. Uh, in, in Spanish, it's brillar. It's very different between. Oh, you're but, amazing. But, but quiche, it's, it's, it's real difficult. So you speak three languages or if, f- if you more? Consider me speaking English. I yes. sure do. Okay. <laughs> yes, because uh, quiche is my home language. I learned it at home. Mm-hmm. So when my parents sent me to school when I was five, six years old, I started with Spanish. I didn't speak any, any Spanish. When I get to, let's say, five, sixth grade, I decided to learn Spanish in the, in the best way possible. Because my culture, a lot of my people, they speak Spanish, but very broke Spanish mm-hmm. because it's not our language, you know, it's difficult. But I, I took a challenge and I say, I say, are you going to learn it? And are you going to work hard on it? And I did it. Usually the people, when, when they uh, hear me speaking Spanish, they don't realize that I speak tribe language. So you're good. Yeah, I'm good in Spanish. <laughs> I I'm feel very comfortable in Spanish. So I went to college in Spanish, whole life, Spanish. I still use quiche. All my family, we speak Spanish, but we, we don't use it. We <laughs> use quiche. So when I call my mom, even now, I talk to her in quiche because that is our language. Spanish, it, I consider it like my language because I feel comfortable with it. And English, it's a harder one. But I'm doing good. I'm working You are. On You're it amazing. Yeah. I want to learn it good. I'm practicing. I'm trying to do my best. When I got here about four and a half years ago, I didn't yeah. speak anything. And my job is with Quiche community and right. Spanish, so I didn't use too much English. Sorry. After, yeah, two years, uh, I realized that I have to improve it. So mm. I started to work on it. 
for my kids, it was very easy. Just they are exposed to the language eight, nine hours a day. Right. Yeah. And I, I, I don't have that opportunity. <laughs> you You're know? doing great. How do you say welcome in Spanish? Bienvenido. Oh. Bienvenido. Yep. That's perfect. Do you want to hear in Quiche? No. Yes. <laughs> that would be too hard. <laughs> I want to hear it. Ah, it's a Uts Apetic. There's a snack in the U.S. called Uts. Like, yes, the pretzels. Yeah. 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 That is the word. That that word it means fine, good in Quiche. Oh. And that is the right way to spell it. Like good pretzels. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but I don't know where that name <laughs> they came. <laughs> when you. I saw it first time, I thought, wow, that is Quiche. Fine. <laughs> Let me buy me some of those pretzels. Like, I feel at home. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You ready? Hola. Bienvenido usted. Yeah. Bienvenido <laughs> to the Shine podcast. Me llamo Esberta. Ooh. Wow. That was my Spanish name in high school. Berta? Berta. What was mine? I think it was Katarina again. Yeah. Is it? Okay, I remember something, but I used Katarina yeah. last time as a German, but hola. Because the Katarina, we call them Kati. So, oh, you sounds like it's Berta and okay. Kati. Hola, me amo Kati. We are <laughs> shining our spotlight today on Manuel Luce or Lux or Lux, depending <laughs> on where, where you're at. That was good. So, welcome, Manuel. Thank you. Manuel was born and raised in Guatemala in a very small town, and he was raised in a Christian home. He's the third of four brothers. And his dad was killed when he was six years old. His mother raised him and his brothers as a single mother. And she was faithful and good and took them to church. Wow. That was um, a great impact in his life. He went to Guatemala Bible Seminary. And he also has a BA from California Christian University. He's been married to his wife, Carmen, for 11 years. They have two daughters. They're nine and four. And he and his family have been a part of the Upper Room since 2016. He has been a part of the Hispanic Outreach Ministry that the Upper Room has been doing since 2016. And he is the pastor at the Hope of Life. I'll let him tell you the Spanish name. Esperanza de Vida. He has been pastoring there, and he is fluent in Spanish. We think he's pretty fluent in English, and also Quiche which is the language that the Guatemalan community in Salem speaks. And so he's been pastoring there. He was a pastor in Guatemala since 2000, the year 2000. And he was a worship leader for five years. And Kate tells me he has mad guitar skills. Kind of. When are we going to get to hear you on the stage? <laughs> I don't know. I play every Sunday in Salem. <laughs> so good to have you here. Welcome <laughs> thank you, to the Beth. Shine Podcast. Hey, thank you. Oh, yes. And I am Beth in oh. other names. <laughs> <laughs> yes, in other words, Kate. So glad to have you here. Thank you. So tell us, Manuel, what or who turned your light on? Uh, it is a long story about it, but it's exciting. As you said before, I grew up in a Christian home, and my mom took us to church every every Sunday, uh, Tuesdays, Thursday, and when the church was open, she took us to the church. So. It was good. But when I, I get to maybe 16 years old, I took this uh, decision to go to the seminary. After one half year in the seminary, I realized something very important in my life because I started to learn about Bible. You don't have 
to go to the seminary to know about Jesus, about that Jesus wants a relationship with you. But in my case, happened. We went there, and I realized that um, I went a lot of years to the church, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God. So why I'm telling this, because I think a lot of people happen in the same situation. Uh, we assume that uh, when we involve in the church and we start to do a lot of stuff in the church, we feel good and we think, I'm good with God. But in my case, I didn't. So I started to learn in the seminary that I, I need a personal relationship with God. So I took a decision to go to one of my teachers and I, I told him, can you please help me? I understand that I spent my whole life in the church doing a lot of stuff and I missed the most important thing. And uh, that teacher, he turned my light on. He talked to me and he, I remember him. He took a piece of paper and a pen and uh, he started to write something and he explained to me about it. And that day I surrendered my life to Jesus. Like personally, understanding about it, um, I was a sinner. I needed a savior. We don't need to go to the seminary to do that. That challenged me a lot because after that, I took a decision to help people. That is our job as a pastor, as elders or whatever, as a leadership, to tell the people you need a relationship, personal relationship with God. Even if you are a preacher, even if you are a missionary, doesn't mean anything, really. Because if you don't have a relationship with God, you are not a child of God. I learned that, and then from that point, I started to live differently, <laughs> trying to do my best. That was a little bit sad, because I I was involved in the church. I did a lot, and nobody took five minutes to to ask me, when do you when do you surrender your life to Jesus, or do you have a relationship with Jesus? Nobody asked me. Everybody just watching me doing stuff and helping me, and it was great time talking about fellowship. It was good. I felt incredible, but I didn't have that. Do you think they assumed? I think so. I think I think the leadership assumed, and I assumed as well because you f you feel good playing, singing, helping kids, being useful. Yeah, be useful and uh, busy, and wow, that's great. Uh, I feel good doing good stuff, you know. But we missed that point, that thing that I I think is the most important in my whole life. So after that, I decided to help churches or leadership, and, and I'm working on that since that point. I, try, I encourage people to serve, to do some in the church, to work in the church. That's okay. We have to. I don't want to miss that. Constantly, I ask people, hey, do you surrender your life to Jesus? Do you understand that? Do you need me to explain to you? Because I took that challenge to help people. I don't know how many people are in the church in the same situation, you know? Like, we feel useful, so we are okay. But we still disconnect from God. Even we, we don't understand what means the cross, the blood of Jesus, that we need a Savior, that we are sinners. So that kind of stuff for me, are very important. I love that you took the initiative to go to your professor. That's not something a ton of people would do. I never went to any of my professors. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I don't know why, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I understood about heaven, and I thought if I served God for, let's say, 15 years, every week, like twice a week, 
and I missed this important thing. This is my chance, you know, this is the opportunity. So I talked to him and I could do that by myself, I think, but I, in that time, I thought that I needed somebody with me and, and that guy spent 10 minutes with me and he said, congratulations. But that is the thing. I, I was sad about it because why I went to a seminary to learn that. How has your life changed once you made that personal connection and gave your life to um, Jesus? I think, I don't know if that is the word, but it's secure, safe. I feel like, okay, maybe all things that i done, maybe it doesn't count right now. I don't know, but I'm right now. So I felt like safe and connected because that thing, my whole church in my town, they didn't know about that because they remember me doing stuff. So I moved from my town to another city because the seminary. And um, some years later, I came to my town and the pastor there told me, can you preach tonight? And I said, yes. It was a big church and I decided to talk about to become a child of God. And I remember that night, I think 14, 15 people came to the stage Uh surrendering their life to Jesus. And among the people, my mom came as well. And I prayed with her. And I was so in shock, but excited at the same time, (laughs) because I realized that what happened to me, that I started to help another uh, people. And uh, I told them, hey, we are doing stuff, which is okay, but uh, we need to be children of God, not just visiting and doing things, working, working and <laughs> like, can I come to your house and work in your house? And then I'm not belong to your house. So I don't want to do that. I, I want to be part of the family. <laughs> yeah. So, great. yeah. Is the church in Guatemala, you're saying the importance of being in the family of God, is that something that you felt was ever talked about? The idea that not only are you a child of God, but the people that you're with are family. I think uh, we as a church in back in Guatemala or maybe in Latin America, we, we are missing that part because I think a lot of the churches around Latin America, we focus on doing stuff, a lot of activities. So the activism took us from a lot of years ago and the pandemic stopped a lot of things. But before that time, a lot of activities, uh, which I think it's okay, but we spend life, time, money, that kind of stuff. And we miss that important part to connect people with God, to bring people closer to God and make them family. So we have to work on it hard. I have uh, no idea in America because, you know, I'm working with, I'm working in America, but with Hispanic community, (laughs) you know, so the culture, it's still the same, but it's something that we, we have to, I think we have to stop a little bit and rethink about it. We've had a lot of people on here that have talked about their experience growing up in the church and not having a relationship with Jesus. It's like a reoccurring theme. So I think it's it's neat to hear you say that we should be asking people, do yeah. you know Jesus? Have you not, not just assume. assuming that yeah. even, in, even in the church, we should be preaching Jesus? Yeah, uh, I think one thing is preaching about Jesus, about relationship, that is important. 
But as a as a leader, we have to confront. I don't know if that is the word to confront people about to become a child of God. If you go to one person or a family your church and you can ask uh, individually uh, that question, hey, share to me when you became a child of God. A lot of people they can't respond that question because they don't know what I'm. I'm coming. To, I'm being part of church. Since 20 years ago. Okay, that is not the question. I'm not asking you how many years you are coming, attending the church. I'm asking you when did you born again? And a lot of people, they don't know. Happened to me and I think it's still happening because that is the word. We assume everything is okay, but it's not okay in a lot of lives, a lot of people around us. So tell us what lights you up. Oh, man. <laughs> Get a list. Uh, yeah, I love lit up. <laughs> <laughs> I love to connect people. Let me talk a little bit about ministry and then something personal, but I like to connect people through evangelism, discipleship, worship, doing music. I I love that kind of stuff. So, one of the things that I am doing is connecting people. I use platform like Facebook or whatever uh, social media to connect people and uh, personally too. So I love that part of my life, connecting people. I like people. And that is why I'm in the ministry because I really like people. But personal, something personal, I like biking. And, um, really? Which yeah. Kind of, which kind of bike? Uh, mountain bike. Okay. And I'm living in Ohio where it's no mountain <laughs> around me. Where's my mountain? <laughs> but I love to biking and walk, explore uh, new places and new areas, travel. But I don't like cities. I like rural areas or you like nature. Not the nature, yes. I, I love that. So one of my dreams is to go somewhere in the mountain with my bike in some point of my life to do that. I don't have time now. I'm biking. Yeah, I use the road with my mountain bike. <laughs> but I, I still love that kind of stuff. So connecting people and biking or some kind of sport. Does Carmen like nature? Yeah, she likes nature as well. She don't like uh, biking, but she likes me. <laughs> yeah, she can take a helicopter and follow me yeah. <laughs> on the mountain. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be right behind you in my heli. Well, he really does connect. I was having a friend say on Sunday that the podcast is too short, that there's not enough, and that it should be much, much longer, and they feel like they're only getting a morsel when they want a meal, which is very kind. Thank you very much. But in <laughs> moments like this, I feel like you could take so much time to give story after story of what Manuel does daily behind the scenes in all the things that we don't see or don't know about. I mean, he, he says, I like to connect people. But I mean, when we say connect with people, I mean, he is ministering to people, serving them, driving them all over the state. I mean, he's in people's apartments. He's breaking up fights. He's in <laughs> hospitals. Everywhere you can imagine people needing help. Manuel shows himself in these cases. So it's beautiful and he serves everywhere and he connects everywhere. Yeah. I, yeah. But, but, connecting doesn't do it justice. Yeah. 
Thank you, Kate. But the other thing about my community, you know, there are some barriers, the language, and um, that give me the opportunity to connect people because they call me because the language, I can be there and help them and that make a connection. So I know a lot of the people because they share to me things that maybe they, they don't share to anybody else. And so that is good because they trust on me. That is the, the connection everywhere, like you said, and I like that. I'm not the guy sitting in the office. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I want to die. And after one hour, I, I can't. If I go into the... I have an office in Damascus French Church, and I use it maybe once, twice a month because I'm out the whole time. I'm knocking doors. I'm praying yep. with people. It's my passion connecting through helping people. Well, and that is definitely how you're letting your light shine right now. So let's hear some of those stories about you connecting. We'll make this a 90-minute podcast for, <laughs> for Rob <laughs> with the stories, but you're shining your light in a community that I don't think everyone here at the Upper Room gets to see or maybe know about. So right. Tell us about some some of those ways that your light's shining in, in the work that you're doing. Uh, well, the first time, we have a Hispanic church. Uh, you mentioned it before, the Hope of Life, uh, Hispanic Ministry. Uh, it's, a, it's a church now that we started about four years ago, three and a half. And we have services every week in town in Salem. So that is one of the things that we are doing, church. We have a lot of families, Spanish-speaking families from Guatemala, from Mexico, from Nicaragua, Puerto Rican. And we have families from Guatemala which just speak Quiche. We have both, and we serve them in the service on Sunday, but we serve them during the week. Uh, let me share this uh, short story. About two years ago, uh, somebody called me from the hospital in, in Salem, and I went there, and it was a girl. She didn't speak English, and the doctor said that she needs uh, surgery. I tried to help her to give the information, and uh, what happened, she was pregnant, but she... She was miscarrying. So what happened, she uh, was having a miscarriage. So she had, had no options. So they made a surgery. I, I don't remember, about 10 p.m. And I stayed with her. And she has a brother. And the brother stayed with me in the hospital waiting until the surgery done. And then about 3 a.m., they said everything is okay. And she has to stay here until tomorrow. Uh, next day, I took her from hospital to the house and gave her some resources. Or So after a month, maybe, um, she called me and she said, where are you from? I said, from Guatemala. What area? I told her what, what, which area. Because she was curious because I speak her language. And she said, I have family in Salem. I have family in Ohio in other cities, and I have family in other states. And nobody came to help me. Nobody came to stay with me in the hospital. Why you did it? And I said, because we love you. And why you love me? You stay with my brother the whole night. That gave me the opportunity to, to think about Jesus really loves you. I'm just a servant. So he sent me here to help you. And uh, she started to come to the church from that experience. 
just one story, you know, it's a, a lot of things happening in four years. But it touched my life. She said, I have family everywhere. Why you stay there? <laughs> Even I don't know you. Where are you from? And you stay there. Why? <laughs> so I told her, okay, I was there, but I, I was there because God sent me there. Because God loves you. Because God has a plan for you. And even the boyfriend, he ran away when he realized that she was pregnant. So he just left her. And she said, no families, no boyfriend. Just my brother. It was uh, younger and you as a pastor. That kind of story encouraged me, encouraged me mm -hmm. to going and do what God called us to do. How did you get here? Oh, <laughs> That Tell is a that long story. story. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people ask me the same question. It's very interesting. Tell. Back in 2005, William Acevedo, he went to Guatemala in a mission trip. And he was the only one speaking Spanish in the team. So that team got to the seminary where I was working. Because a lot of group of Americans go there because they help the community in some point. And they use the seminary to sleep and to eat with us. So that group got there and we realized that William speaks Spanish. So he started to talk with us. And hey, where are you from? I'm from the States, but my parents are from Puerto Rican. So I speak Spanish. Oh, great. So in that point, start the connection with William. I was working the seminary. I was playing a lot the church, and he said, "Wow, you're playing good, and that's good to see you doing a lot of stuff in the ministry." I don't know how, but I shared to him that I speak Quiche, and he said, "You know what? Close to my town, there's a community with a lot of people speaking Quiche." And he said, "I will like someday you can come visit them." And I said, "Let's pray." That happened 2005. Almost 10 years later, I got here because he saw a, a need in Salem. Uh, let's say that he found a solution because he found a guy speaking that language. We didn't talk about it anymore. So I was busy in Guatemala. He came here again and... That's it. And then uh, he got married with, with Millie. And uh, I worked with Millie together back in Guatemala. We started a church in Guatemala too. So I, I know Millie. So I knew that she got married with William. And I was very happy for them. That's great. And <laughs> Millie came here. And then someday Millie sent me a text on Facebook. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you? We're doing okay. Do you remember the community that William told you about 10 years before? Oh, yeah, I, I remember. Okay, it's a reality. I met the community. I started a Bible study, but it doesn't work. Because I speak Spanish and they speak Quiche, so I can't do much. So, again... You came up in mind, and what are you doing now? I'm working at the church in Guatemala. And that started in 2013. And they said, what if you come and just meet the community? So we came in 2014. That time I was already married with Carmen. But I started everything in 2005 when he got to Guatemala with a mission trip. That was a connection, and still he is helping me in Salem every Sunday. <laughs> that was a very great connection. <laughs> yeah. When you were in Guatemala, did you ever think about no coming to the states? And no, we came before to California because my sister-in-law she was living there, so we came to California about a month, and we went back to Guatemala. 
But when I got here first time in California, or no, we came to Chicago the first time for training, and I like it because it's very different than my country. So I like it, but I never think about to come to live here. I thought that's good to come sometimes on vacation, and it's it's nice. But I'm have already five years here, <laughs> and you're in this beautiful country uh, with some kind of problem too. You know, it's not mm. perfect, but. We love here. We feel like we have a family here, especially the Upper Room Fellowship. It's a great Aww. church. I love the people here, and you're kind. Yeah. Did you uh, think of anything else that you wanted to tell us? Uh, we 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 were in Mexico City as a missionary too. If you want, I can share a little bit about it. Go ahead. You were in Mexico City. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? In 2012, we were invited for a church from Illinois. I don't remember the name of uh, Harvest Bible Fellowship. And so they... I didn't know that. Yeah, they they have a lot of church around the world. And they wanted to start one in Mexico City because they thought that Mexico City is the, the first Spanish-speaking country to Latin America. So they started a church there and they invited us to come to be part of the leadership. And we came. So that is the first time that we left our country, 2012. We flew to Mexico. We left everything Guatemala. We started a church in Mexico, which is which called La Cosecha. It's the harvest. With uh, we make partner with another pastors there, and it was a great experience. That is why we came to Chicago in 2012 because okay. that church in Illinois brought us to Chicago to get trained. So it was a very good experience. I was worship pastor. That was my position in Mexico because we have a, we had a pastor and we had we were four pastors, but I. Took the worship area and it was a good experience but we left the country because mexico i don't know if you are uh, aware about it but mexico it's most of the country it's catholic yes very strong catholic so christianity is very low so when we got there uh, we talked to the immigration lawyer in order to stay there legally to make everything right and he said you can stay here we can make all the paperwork and submit your application for your uh, religious visa but there is one thing that you have to know as a pastor this country is going to put a lot of barrier for you to get your visa if you are a priest or something related to catholic Tomorrow you'll have your visa in your hands, <laughs> but not a, as a pastor. So we have right now two pastors in prison. If you want to keep going with this, I want to help you. But I think you have a little baby, and that was Dania, uh, three months old. And he said you have a wife, and I don't think it's a good idea to fight against the government. But the other way is if you can give them some money. <laughs> under the table. So I talked to Carmen and I told her, okay, we are here because we are sure that God brought us here, but God didn't bring us here to do that kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> to participate in bribes. Yeah, yes. In bribes. I, 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 I was very sure about it. If God doesn't want me anymore here, I'm going to go back to my country, but I don't do that. So I call him and ask again, are you sure? Can we do like without corruption, everything? Okay, yeah. we can find a way to pay it, but the fee, not thing under that the you're table. talking under yeah. the table. <laughs> and he said, you can, but you can go to jail or you can stay here illegally for a lot of years. And we thought, good, and took a time to think about it. And we left the country. 
we went back to Guatemala. But the experience was very good. We learned a lot, and it's a big city. I think it's one of the most crowded city in the world. There are people from the whole world in Mexico City. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. In downtown, it's, it's nice. We, we love to spend time there, drinking coffee and eating tacos. You know, it's, it's great. <laughs> uh, we missed Mexico, but, but we went back to Guatemala. And then after five, four years, we got here. Culturally speaking, what was the biggest surprise to you about living in the States? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. The good and the uh, bad. In the positive way, I think everything looks clean. Maybe in your eyes, it's not clean, but compared to where we came, it's very different. We love that. And it's for us, it's safe. So clean and safe. Mm-hmm. That it's, but in the, and the other side, negative. <clears throat> maybe negative. I don't know, because it's just culturally speaking. It's America. It's a little bit, um, cold. I don't know. Is that is the word? It's it's hard to explain that. As in Latins people, Latin America, we make a lot of parties. We hug a lot. We we eat a lot, and we we gather. They're more isolated. Yeah, yeah. I think that is one of the thing. And my first Christmas here, I was sad because oh. in my country we wait until midnight. We have a big party in the midnight. We receive the New Year's or the 25th of December with hugging, food, a lot of Oh, do you do fireworks? Fireworks. I feel like Millie's talking everywhere. About this but it's a big party. It's the whole country. We don't spend that time inside. Yeah. We come outside and everybody can give you a hug on the street and yeah. hey, happy new year and a lot of food. The midnight that time is the the party, the the fireworks, and then everybody come inside and we have dinner like breakfast, one a.m. <laughs> yeah. You know, so until two p two a.m. eating, hugging, so that it's big thing. So when we got here, I didn't know our first Christmas. It's good because oh, it's so it's your sad. Christmas, but in my culture <laughs> it's very different. So. Where's the fireworks? <laughs> and do we have to wait the midnight? Because what happened in Guatemala with the churches, they have a l- very long service. Like they start 9 or 10 p.m. to 11.30. That mm. is the service. So when the service is done, everybody goes to their home to spend that two hours with families and kids running and fireworks everywhere. It's a big party. So next day, you can see the street in the chaos <laughs> and everybody cleaning the street in the morning. It's a big Christmas and uh, New Year are very different than here. But we have almost five years here, and, and I know a lot of stuff different, and we try to enjoy the thing here, and very good. No, <laughs> I like that so much. I feel like that's something to teach us, because here it feels normal. Yeah. But in reality, in the grand scheme of things, there are aspects of people and culture that we as Americans don't understand, especially like you were saying, when it comes to community. Yeah, when it comes to community and closeness, and that's really good. But I love that you're here and you're expressing that. Yeah, yeah, I I love that part. Presents are very important, but not as as much as the fellowship, the yeah. hug, it's Touch. very important. That's yeah. interesting, too, yeah. that you've mentioned hugging multiple times. Oh, yeah. That 
Yeah, yeah we're not. Not hug too much, maybe. <laughs> we don't hug as much. Yeah. <laughs> Americans have been social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that shocked me a little bit. My country is the size of Ohio. It's a huge country. Yes, I, yeah, it's, it's a lot of things happening in the country. And I didn't realize how big it is. Maybe someday I can visit every every state. I don't know. It's it's a big it's a big one. So that shocked me too because I'm from the very very small town, small country. So Manuel, you and your family, you know Carmen and you and your kids have sacrificed a lot. I'm, I think it's a sacrifice to leave your home country and come to another place to be missionaries. And you've taken risks. And tell us how God has shown up for you in the midst of you and your family taking a risk to serve Him. Yeah, um, Beth. Every day we can see that, especially uh, as a missionary, we uh, come into the states with a religious visa that allow us to do what we are doing as a pastors and planting a church, visiting hospitals. I can go to jail to visit people. So it's like a very good visa because open door to me and the people respect me as a pastor. That is good. But it's a visa with a lot of limitation as well. So like you can't work anywhere else, just the Christian thing, mm-hmm. uh, religion thing. And uh, your wife can't work. You have to take care of her and that kind of barrier or limitation of the visa. And we want to respect that. It's hard to live in a country like this with that limitation. So I don't know why the immigration policy is like that. <laughs> and that moving, God is always with us. And we have everything what we need. We are here almost five years and, and we have food, we have um, roof, we have where to sleep, we have clothes and I'm amazed what God is providing everything and sometimes more than what we need. So he's faithful with us, he's providing everything and I'm sure that he called us here and he's taking care of everything. As a foreign people in the States, we have different challenge. But we are doing our best. We are respecting everything what we have to. And God is blessing that, that attitude that we're taking. And, and we are fine. God is good. He's doing everything what we need. We have a church. We have people. We have this church, the upper room, and great people supporting us. And even with the heart, with the word, in a lot of ways. And God is using the upper room and, and other churches around to show us his love. So we are fine. Speaking of being cared for and being able to show his love, it made me think about all of the times that you have helped people in need or shown up for people and how consistently they try to pay you. Because you understand the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness of God. I just feel like people think those types of things, like to help or to serve or to be kind, has to come with some sort of payment. And for you to minister to people and say, that's not how this works. I think that the way we see God is faithful and kind to us without payment. You know, like he doesn't hold a debt over us. How you have served and pastored people the same way that you have served and pastored them It's not about how the world works as far as like, all right, I'll do this and you give me that. That you serve wholeheartedly, you know, hands open. So Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's it's part of being a pastor and a missionary because we want them 
we don't want their money or their stuff. We want we want their heart. We want them as a person. We have a lot of people with deep need, not just spiritually, but uh, financial and all kind of stuff. And we we can help. We can help them because somebody else is helping us. So it's a, like a chain. You you are helping, and this one is helping. The other one is helping. So everybody's helping each other so that works but when you uh, work with the community in some point they can't help you but y you you can help them it's not like how the world can mm -hmm. see that if i don't get something for you i don't do anything for you that is right. the, the but we we want to fight against that even if you can do anything let me help let me do something let me give something And we are teaching them as well. If you have a job, you have income, you have what you need, you have to give as well. At least pay the gas, at least do something. So we are trying to teach them because you have what you need. You need a driver. You can call a company to take you where you want to go. But sometimes they think that I'm just a taxi. So I'm trying to teach them I'm not a driver for you. I'm just helping if you really need because the language, because you can't do something, I, I, I will be there. If you can't pay, don't worry at all. We can find some way to do so. Don't worry. And sometimes the people are like, sure, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, don't worry about that. And I remember one time I took a lady with a kid to, I don't remember, it was to Cleveland. When we came back and... She said, how much is it for the ride? And I said, you don't have to pay. Because I knew that she has no income. She has not, she has three kids. And I thought, please don't do anything. And even I bought some food for them. And that kid, it is about five years old, four years old. He took five dollar bill and he said, this is for you. I said, no, I, you don't need to pay. And he said, yeah. I can give this to you. So uh, that touched my heart because it was a kid and yeah. it, it was innocent. And mom said, please take that $5. <laughs> and I said, I want to take it. But, you know, it's not the payment. It's right. the, the attitude. And I, I love that. So yeah. I took the $5 bill and I said, thank you. You pay everything here, <laughs> you know. And But it's a great way to helping doing stuff for them and Don't miss the opportunity to talk about Jesus. Yeah. Not the church, but Jesus. Right. Yeah. Even the church is closed. Jesus is still alive and <laughs> we are there. Yep. Anything else that you want to share with us? <laughs> I share everything, I think. <laughs> we need fun facts. Just one. Mm. What's your favorite American food? Steak is American? Yes. Okay. Sure. <laughs> steak. <laughs> Love steak. What's your favorite Guatemalan food? Steak. Uh, no. <laughs> also, we have a lot of steak. I love steak. What am I? I love tortillas with whatever. Do you have any favorite shows? Uh, no, I like sport, foot, uh, soccer. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I love you... soccer. I played a lot of soccer and basketball too. But the soccer is like the main sport in Guatemala. Everywhere, like Mexico, yeah. everywhere you can see people playing soccer on the street, in the school, everywhere. Yeah, and you busted your leg up because yeah. you, you were trying to be the soccer star. Yeah. <laughs> It was two years ago, my Achilles tendon. I had a youth minister in the Hispanic mm -hmm. church, and I took them to play. 
And I didn't think to play. I just took them and I just watching. And they said, hey, pastor, you can come on and play with us. No, you you play. I'm watching you. I'm your driver. And they said, no, come on and just be a goalie. It's not a big deal. So, okay. And I started to play. Five minutes later, I tore my Achilles then. Oh. One year for the whole recovery. So I don't play soccer anymore. <laughs> You've been banished. <laughs> or my wife's going to kill yeah. me. But I do in biking. It's, right. it's great. And it's a little bit safe for my Achilles tendon. Mm-hmm. Uh, soccer, maybe not anymore. But I play it a lot. That is a beautiful sport. In Guatemala, everybody plays soccer. Yeah. Oh, what do you listen to? I love romantic music in Spanish. Oh, really? are you a yeah. are you a Spanish crooner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, that time. Sing us a little snippet. Oh my god. In um, Spanish. Let me think about one. Vuela, vuela, no te hace falta equipaje. Vuela, vuela. Just some So this is 90s romantic yeah. rock. Kind of? Nah, it's not rock. Pop. It's kind of pop or ballad. Okay. Oh, this oh. sounds like Monica would be. Let's hear some more. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Let's sing it the verse. <laughs> you can strike that part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I like um, listening to that kind of music. A very loud volume. Mellow. My wife is the opposite. Carmen likes it loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> And I like that. and the very uh, like hip hop, yeah, the, like that kind of music and yeah. the volume in the maximum level. And she does that. She takes the car, put her music, and go drive around. I drive Chris crazy because I listen to my music super loud in the van, like <laughs> volume <laughs> that is up, and I leave it that way, and I just turn the car off. And every time Chris gets in the van, he turns on the keys, and it's like, bah! and it just. Yeah. He doesn't oh, love yeah. that. That happened with, with us as well. <laughs> and I love music, very low volume, like romantic and driving. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm going to have to talk to Carmen. Yeah, she loves that. Very different kind of music and the volume. It's She does that without me. Okay. Yeah, so she knows. So not when she you're take around. Take the car, put the volume, I don't know. Yeah, How yeah, high yeah. and drive around. Okay. So, but I usually use the white one. Yeah. So that is my volume very low. <laughs> it's, it's good. <laughs> That's interesting information. <laughs> well, it's been such an honor to have you here on the yes, podcast. Thank you. So, thanks for sharing a little bit of your story. And if you are listeners out there and are interested in sewing into the ministry of Manuel and the church at Hope of Life, say the Spanish word again. Esperanza de Vida. Yeah, you can give online on Realm at the Upper Room Fellowship and help support that ministry. So it's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening again. And make sure you tune in next week for another special guest. Bye. Bye. Thank you.